Well, good morning, and thank you, Daniel, again for all that you're doing, and thank you for that great song. That was good to hear that and to see the youth room. Boy, I know the youth are missing being there. In fact, it's, boy, this is just an empty place through the week, and we're looking forward to here real soon to getting back together and worshiping together. But I thank the Lord. Thank you so much for continuing to give, to place your offering in the mailbox. Brenda picks those up, and we're delighted in that. And I've got mine ready. As soon as we leave today, I'll drive by and put my offering in there. It's an act of worship as we give to the Lord. And I will tell you, boy, the offerings are really going good, and you're doing a great job. I'm so thankful and so proud of you for your faithfulness to the Lord. Well, take your Bible, if you would, turn with me to uh, Matthew chapter number 24. In just a moment, we're going to begin to look at what Jesus says about His return, His second coming. We're going to get it from His words Himself about His promise to you and I. But I want to ask you to do something that I think is going to be very good for our church. I think it's going to be very, very needful, and and it's going to be exciting. This coming Thursday night at 7 o'clock, we're going to have a church-wide prayer meeting. Now, we're not going to be here in the room. You'll be at home or wherever you are, tuning in on your phone or computer or if you have it up on your TV screen or whatever. We're going to have a prayer meeting church-wide. I want all of our folks to set aside Thursday night at 7 o'clock. This is something that will be most meaningful if you're present at 7. I know it's possible to watch these things at at different times, but really at 7 o'clock, our hearts are going to be joined together I'm actually going to have some folks here with me at the church that are going to be helping as we just pray through many, many areas that need our attention and need our focus in prayer. I'm also going to bring a brief uh, devotional that I think will really speak to our hearts given where we are right now in our transition. Because you see, folks, in just a few weeks, I really think in a few weeks, we're going to be back in here together. The virus may still be around in some of the areas around the country. And as we come together, we're going to be talking about how we're going to approach things when we get the permission, we get the green light to get back together as a church. So all of that's going to happen Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. So you be sure, or excuse me, man, I've already messed up. Thursday night. I hope I don't come Wednesday. It's Thursday night, 7 o'clock. Well, amen. Well, take your Bible, Matthew 24. I want to read our text, and then I'm going to go to the Lord in prayer, and then we'll get right, jump right into the message. By the way, at the end, uh, we've got a great, great song coming by Bonnie and Catherine. They're going to be sort of putting a bow on the end of all of this this morning, talking about how we're free at last through all that Christ has done for us. So we'll get there in just a very few minutes. 
Matthew chapter 24, beginning now in verse 36. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days before the flood they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other will be left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken, the other will be left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour the Son of Man, the Lord, is coming. But know this, that if the master of his house had known what hour the thief would have come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you do not expect. Would you bow with me as we pray? Father, we ask you that you will just empower now the reading of your word, the preaching and teaching of your word to encourage, to challenge, and to energize our hearts in our lives. Lord Jesus, we're looking and longing for your soon return. And we honor you, Father, this day Touch our lives in Jesus' name, I pray, amen. We're going to be in this series of the second coming, the return of Christ, for the next several weeks. It's a powerful, powerful study in Scripture. I've been going back this week, and I've been reading and looking again at all of those passages in the New Testament that, that reminds us that Jesus Christ is coming. If you remember when Jesus went out on that mountain after his resurrection, he ascended back to heaven and there were two angels that spoke. And those two angels said, men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus whom you've seen go into heaven will so come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. The scripture says these disciples went back to Galilee rejoicing or Jerusalem rejoicing and praising God and honoring him because they knew that Jesus had promised that he would come again. Do you realize there were angels that announced the birth of Christ? There were angels at the tomb that announced that the tomb was in, empty there were these angels there that were announcing to the disciples, as you see Jesus go, he's returning. But it's interesting in our text that we read this morning that the angels do not know when Jesus is going to return again. In fact, the scripture says, no one knows. Only the Father knows when Jesus Christ is going to return. With that being said, do we need to remind us that, you know, we don't need to speculate on when it is. There are folks that have written books about it. There are those that occasionally will try to tell others when Christ is going to come and return. But that's very futile and waste of time, isn't it? 
Let's just get right into the Scripture passage right here. Look at what the Scripture says about the return of Jesus Christ in this particular passage of Scripture. I was reading this week, as I've been reading all, all along since we've had this situation in our land, reading through the book of Psalms. I find the Psalms very comforting. A lot of uh, powerful things that God says there. But I came across a verse of Scripture in Psalms that just jumped out at me this week. I really never had it affect me as it did this week. But it's one little phrase, one little verse, Psalm 29, verse 10, and it says, The Lord was king, or is king, at the flood. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. Tucked away in this book of Psalms, it talks about God being king at the flood. Now, I'd never thought about that. But as I began to read through the Psalms more, and I began to look a little bit more at Psalms, even this morning in my devotion in Psalm 32, I came across it again. Another phrase that talks about that in these last times, in those last days, those around the floodwaters were not ready for the coming of that deluge and that flood that was going to happen. We see all throughout Scripture the flood of Noah's day is very important about us understanding the mind of God, the mysteries of God, and the ways and the things of God. And as God is winding this world down, there are going to be a lot of worldwide things begin to take place because, after all, the second coming is going to be worldwide. It's not going to be localized. It's going to be the whole world when Christ comes again. I want to give you some reasons for a moment that I believe, why I believe in a worldwide flood. Now you say, preacher, what's that got to do with the second coming of Christ? Well, I'll show you in a moment. Jesus is the one that brought it up. And if he brought it up, it's worth us looking at. Reasons that I believe in a worldwide flood. Now some folks believe that, that the flood was local just in a few areas or one area in particular because they say that man had not inhabited the whole globe at the time of the flood. Well, I'm not going to argue that point, but I will, I will debate this and I will firmly stand right here. The flood of Noah's day was worldwide. It was global. It was a flood that covered the whole earth. I believe that because of archaeological discoveries. Another reason I believe that is because of historical records. When you and I study religions, Across the world, we find that in other religions, many of them have a flood story in their religion. The flood is not something unique to Christianity, other religions. In fact, the Babylonians have in their story of the flood as to why there was a flood 
They simply said the gods got tired of all of the noise that people were making and decided to destroy everybody. Well, that's sort of crazy, isn't it? We know that our God brought a worldwide flood because of the sin of man and the rejection of man who had rejected him and his love. And God says, I'm just going to start over. I'm going to take one man and his family, and I'm going to start over and see if folks can get it right. Well, nobody even got it right after that, did they? So the next thing that's going to happen is the coming of Jesus Christ, and I'm looking forward to that. The main reason I believe in a worldwide flood is not the historical discoveries or the historical records or archaeological discoveries, but the main reason I believe in a worldwide flood is simply this. Jesus said it. Jesus himself said that Noah built an ark and Noah was there in the days of the flood And Jesus himself said to you and I, to anyone who will believe, just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the coming of me, the Son of Man, my return. So all we've got to do is look at the things in Noah's day, And when we see what it was like then, we can see, well, are we close to the coming of Jesus now? And I believe we are. Several Bible writers speak of Noah and give affirmation there just like Jesus did. Luke spoke of the flood in his gospel. Peter spoke of the flood in his epistle toward the end of the Bible. Hebrews speaks of the flood. In fact, Noah is one of those men of faith that Hebrews 11 calls to our attention in verse 7, and it says, by faith, Noah built an ark. Now, here's what's interesting. The world didn't know rainfall in the day of Noah the way it, the way it was, was in that time of deluge when it rained 120 days. They did not know anything like that. But it says by faith Noah went out and he built that ark and he got those animals. They came onto that ark and all of a sudden here we have the flood. Genesis chapter 7 verse 7 tells us about that ark Noah built. Genesis 7 13 says that Noah's family came and also entered the ark. Genesis 7, 11 says, The rains 40 days and 40 nights. But now here's the important one in the book of Genesis chapter 7, verse 16. It says, After Noah and his family and all of these animals got in the ark, it it tells us that God shut the door. Now we're going to come back to that in just a few moments, friend. But I want you to think about that for a moment. How that God shut the door on that ark. The floodwaters came and rose. The mountains were covered. Everything that has breath is dead. And God is in control leading that ark until God opened the door later on. Well, let's come down to our text. In Matthew chapter 24, 
We're looking now at verses 37 through 38. We realize that Jesus says, no one knows the hour of my return. But he gave us a couple of things, a couple of signs, a couple of, of things that we can look at and know about here. Verse 37 and 38 tell us one thing. The people of Noah's day were unprepared for the flood, for that judgment. They were unprepared. Now, I want you to think about that with me for today. Jesus is saying in this passage of Scripture that that's what it's going to be like when He returns. He says, when I return, people are going to be unprepared. They're not going to be ready. They're not going to have their affairs in order. The relationship with God will be suspect at best. And when I come and they're unprepared, there's going to be no hope for them. We see that also in chapter 25. As these ten virgins, five wise and five foolish, and the foolish ones were unprepared. So we see Jesus saying here, they will be unprepared. Now I want you to notice another word. That's hidden here in verse 39 for a moment. I'll just go back to 38. For in the days of Noah before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. That simply means they were going about life as usual. Nothing out of the ordinary was going along. They were just eating. They were going to bed at night. They were sleeping. They were having weddings and all of the things that happens in a culture in society. It says, verse 39, they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. Notice that word until for a moment. They were unprepared until the rains began to fall. No one, his family, and all the animals were on the ark. God had shut the door. There was no one else could get in. It was not until then that they saw what was taking place. They were unprepared until that moment. I want you to notice a second thing about this scripture down in verse 39 that Jesus says. They were unsuspecting. They didn't suspect anything. They thought this Noah building this ark, what, a, what kind of a fool is this? Building some kind of big boat. How's he going to ever get that thing to the sea? What's he going to do with it sitting out here where we are? How in the world? What a foolish man. And I wonder, I've often wondered to myself, what did they think when all of these animals began to walk on the ark two by two? How did they think that guy, Noah, ever got all of these animals on that ark? But that still did not wake them up. They were unsuspecting. Verse 39, they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. Now watch that. He says when Jesus comes, there are going to be people that are taken away. They're going to be destroyed. 
Two men will be in the field, one taken, the other left. Two women grinding at the mill, one taken and the other, and the other left. Now notice something particular in this scripture. Many people get this passage confused with the rapture of the church because one is taken and one's left. But this is not about the rapture of the church. We'll be speaking about the rapture of the church here in just a few weeks. But that's not what's at place here. This is the final second coming of Jesus. And we see that and we know that because of his illustration of the flood. He says that a man will be taken away and one left. A woman will be taken away and one left. Those that are taken away are not taken away in the rapture. They're taken away here in the judgment of the flood. The flood waters came and swept these people away who were not a part of being on that ark. The ark was only eight people in there. Noah and his family. Everybody else was taken away. Did you know, friend, when Jesus comes in his glory at the end of time, his triumphant second coming, when he comes, the Bible says, folks that are without Christ, without God, they're going to be taken away. And it's only going to be those that have placed their faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord who are going to be preserved and go into the millennial kingdom, the 1,000-year reign with Christ. We will study that in a few weeks in Revelation 19 as we see all of that unfolding and taking place. So this taking away here, again I'm telling you, is not a picture of the rapture, but it's a picture of the judgment when people will be swept away and never come into fellowship with God into his millennial kingdom at the at the triumphant moment of his second coming these people were unsuspecting when this happened to them I want you to see how all of this passage ends we're getting here near the end and I want you to notice another key word in this passage we've seen the key word until we see now the king key word of watch. Notice it for a moment. Verse 42. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. But if the master of the house had known, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore be also ready for the Son of Man is coming in an hour that you do not expect him. Notice him saying there the word watch. To the Christian, to the person who knows Christ, we're watching, we're ready, we're looking for the return of Christ Paul, when he was dying there in the end of 2 Timothy chapter 4, he said, be watching and be ready. And those that love and long for the coming of Jesus Christ, the coming of the Lord, will share in His reward. Watch and be ready. I want to conclude this morning with just a couple of illustrations. One of them is this. He says, the world is going to be caught off guard when Jesus returns as like a thief 
has broken into their house. I told you last Sunday, but Barry and I, my brother, lived at the foot of a cemetery. And when my grandmother was still living, she was home alone one day, and there were some sliding glass doors right behind our house, right at the woods, and a thief came and broke in those sliding doors. And the next thing we heard that our grandmother was running down the road trying to get away from the thief who broke in. She was fine. It scared the thief to death. He took off and ran the other direction when she ran out the front door. But it just, I think about that story every time I read this passage about the thief breaking in. And the owner of the house, as Jesus says, wasn't watching, wasn't ready. And the thief caught him unexpectedly and broke in and stole everything. Did you know when Jesus comes back, he says that's exactly how it's going to be for the lost world? The lost world is not watching. They're not ready. They're not anticipating. The lost world doesn't even believe that Jesus is going to return. And he says, when, when the lost world, when I come back, they're going to be unready, unprepared, unsuspecting. And when I come, it's going to catch them totally off guard, one taken, one left. And he says, that's how it's going to be at my return. But then the scripture hastens to tell us something else. The Bible tells us that you and I as a Christian... When Jesus returns, he is not coming as a thief for the bride, for the church, for his believers, for those of us that know him, for those that have faith in him. The Bible tells us in the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, don't be alarmed because you're people of the day, you're people of the light. That when Jesus comes, that day is not coming upon you, is not coming upon you as a thief in the night because you're watching and you're ready. Did you know the Holy Spirit of God will be preparing your heart and mine and the hearts of all His people all over the world? He will be preparing our hearts for the coming of Jesus Christ, His return. Because we're his people. We belong to him. He's coming back in answer to our prayer. He's coming back based upon his promise. We don't need to know the day or hour. But we know that he's coming. And as his coming is getting closer, he'll begin to prepare our hearts as we look for and long for his coming. He will not come as a thief to his people. He comes and we're expecting him to return. Hasn't this worldwide pandemic begun to prepare you as it has me for the coming of Jesus Christ? We're spending more time in prayer, more time in devotion, more time seeking the Lord, more time thinking about spiritual things. Many of those things that we used to be doing two months ago are gone. But yet we're anticipating Jesus must be preparing us for His return. Do you know two months ago I was watching on television 
to the people in China and they were wearing masks and they were walking down the road and they were talking about this coronavirus was hurting China and killing a lot of people and it was very contagious. Do you know not one minute did I ever think it would come to America? Not one moment did I ever think, well, I will be doing dealing with that come the month of March, the month of April. It will change everything in my life and our country. Not at all. Never did I think that. Do you know, friend, that the lost world out there today has zero thought in their mind that there will ever come an event called the second coming of Christ where Jesus returns they're not looking, they're not expecting, they're not thinking. And he says, when I come, I'm coming as a thief in the night. And they won't, will not be ready. But not for me and you as believers. He's not coming as a thief. We're anticipating, we're looking, and we're expecting Christ to come. What a powerful scripture Jesus gave us right here in this passage. As in the days of Noah, so will it be in the coming of the Son of Man when I return. We're in those days, my friend. Pray for your family. Share the message with your friends. Try to talk to others about Christ. Get ready for the coming of Jesus Christ. The fig tree is in bloom. Jesus is going to return very, very soon. Well, we'll be back next week with sermon number two in the second coming of Christ. You don't want to miss it. Listen to Bonnie and Catherine now as they sing and as they share with us this powerful, powerful song from their hearts that will minister to you and I as well. And remember, Thursday night, 7 o'clock, church-wide prayer meeting. God bless you.